0: Rather amusing story out of Ireland today, EGS.
1: Mm, Tell me more.
0: Bank of Ireland ATMs have experienced a glitch... Which means that customers have been able to withdraw large sums of money from ATMs, even if they don't have that much money in their bank accounts.
1: How good! Yeah. How good. How much could you take out?
0: You could take out lots. Uh, is the answer there? I think it's a limit, regardless of how much money you actually had in your account. What I really enjoyed about this is apparently large queues formed at many cash machines in the Republic of Ireland um, to steal money, effectively, from the bank.
1: It's probably the first time those ATMs have got any love in ages. Now that any, no one needs cash anymore who are probably great, for the queue.
0: It's the stuff of dreams, isn't it? But the Bank of Ireland is saying that they do know who is doing this because you do have to put your card in and uh, no such thing as a free lunch uh, in action here.
1: Yeah, free PlayStation or whatever you've now bought with your £1,000 that you need to give back. (laughs)
0: <laughs> oh beautiful Anyway, uh, Kia ora, this is Newsball, I'm Emil.
1: I'm Jess and this is What's Worth Talking About We have our finalists. We look ahead to the all-European affair That will see out the Women's World Cup As Spain take on England
0: We also get the latest on the mushroom Poisoning story going on across the ditch And find out why it could be weeks Before we get some answers
1: you game enough to try birthday cake beer or crock and bush stout, we delve into the weird and wonderful world of experimental beer flavours.
0: And Jess has the colossal task of doing Imogen Proud in Fun Fact Friday.
1: So much pressure. All that's to come here on Usable. Usable takes
2: time and resources to produce. Please support our mahi and visit
1: stuff.co.nz support. Well, we have our finalists after two nail-biting semi-finals. It'll be Spain taking on England in the World Cup final in Sydney this coming Sunday. Now, neither team has ever won the trophy before. In fact, neither team has ever been in the final before. So regardless of what happens, we'll have a first-time winner this weekend.
0: Luckily, we've got skies. Christina Eddy here, as always, to look into the match. Christina, I hate feeling sorry for Australia. It is a strange feeling. But she was.
3: Yeah, I feel sorry for them too. You know, it was a dream run and you have to even say potentially their run was so much better to the semifinals than England's even was. You know, England had it pretty good. They escaped narrowly over Nigeria. They just beat Haiti and then they had to come back from behind to beat Colombia in the quarterfinal. So, I mean, it was kind of a real shame that it ended with England basically being better on the night, so to speak, and they deserve to be in that final at the end of the day. Um, but it's such a shame because, yeah, I mean, 80,000 people going for the Matildas in a final would have been an absolute dream result for, for everybody involved. But that's not to say we don't have an exciting final. There is a small part of me that's just so stoked USA's not in it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. I think it needs to be a small part. I think you can revel in that a little bit. <laughs> if we could just dwell on on the game from Wednesday night. There was a moment around the 87th minute. The score was 2-1 to England. Aussie are pushing for an equaliser. And Sam Kerr, one of the best players in the world in the women's game has a chance to level it and she misses it. And then, boom, 40 seconds later, England counter-attack. Alicia Russo scores, 3-1, game over, pretty much. And that's the sad
3: thing about these playoff matches is that, you know, the moment someone scores, sort of right, sort of five minutes before and and it's no longer level, sort of five minutes before, the, the pressure heaps on. I think there were a couple of key players in Australia's team that just didn't step up. Maybe having Sam Kerr there, there was almost maybe a little bit of onus off them, even though it is a semi-final. You know, at the end of the day, England were patient. They were pretty clinical. They were also pretty pushy and they really showed as well,
1: you know, just sort of the side that wanted to be in the final. And of course the Matildas won't be there, but you know who will be? Lauren James. She's managed to outlast this whole thing. This is the um, English player that did the stomp a couple of games ago, got suspended, looked like she'd be out of the tournament, but look, she's, she's back for the biggest game of her career.
3: Yeah, back just in time. England will be thinking, I imagine, and looking at how they played, you know, in the semi-final, that's what they're going to need to bring against Spain. There was a part in the the semi-final where I was watching, and I thought, you know, I don't believe that in the way either of these sides are playing right now. Um, they were playing well, but I didn't think that they would beat Spain, no matter who got in, if they played the way they were playing. Um, Spain are just they're aggressive, they attack, and they don't stop attacking. They're so persistent, and there were times when um, in that semi-final where I thought that you know, they had opportunities and sort of the play didn't go their way and then they'd just kind of hold back and wait a little bit to see what they were going to do next. And that's just not going to work against Spain, you know. England are going to have to be on their toes the entire time. And there was quite a number of times where I thought that if they were playing Spain, they would have taken advantage of the way England were playing in those moments. They would have, you know, probably got a goal out of it.
0: All right, Christina, I know that you're a great believer in journalistic objectivity, but uh, I'm going to ask you to throw that to the side for one moment, tell, tell me, who does your head say is going to win and who does your heart want to win?
3: I think Spain will win. And I, I think there was a part of me that had an emotional connection to Australia. And there were times in that match where England really frustrated me, you know, their physicality and the way that they play. And there were just a couple of negative things as well, like wasting time towards the end. I hated that. So I would have to say my heart now lies in, on Spain and I like the way they're playing. And that's the style of football you want to see in a final. So yeah, go Spain.
0: Sky's Christina Eddie nailing her colours to the mast um, thank you so much it's, uh, it's going to be a great game really looking forward to it you too enjoy it and you can catch all of the action on Sunday on Sky Sport or on Stuff's special FIFA Women's World Cup hub it's been a great tournament so tune in for that match We're talking about the mushroom story in Australia in just a second. But uh, while we've got you here, what has been your favorite moment of the World Cup so far? For me, it's hard to look past the US getting dumped out by a hair's breadth of space between the ball and the goal line, but your pick might be somewhat less mean-spirited. Get in touch. You can find us on Insta or TikTok. Just search up Newsable NZ. And we're also there. Uh we also have an email address, newsable at stuff.co.nz.
1: So for your weekly dose of long-form journalism, beautifully read, subscribe to The Long Read From Stuff wherever you get your podcasts. Just to bring you up to speed, late last month, three people in Melbourne died with symptoms consistent with death cap mushroom poisoning. A fourth person is still fighting for their life in hospital.
0: All four had shared a lunch at the home of Erin Patterson, a Melbourne woman living in South Gippsland in rural Victoria. In fact, uh, two of the people who died were her parents-in-law. The case is being treated as a homicide inquiry. Joining us now is Marta pascual Juanola, a crime reporter for The Age who's been covering this case. Marta, welcome to Newsball. Great to have you here. Thank
2: you for having me.
0: We actually talked about this story uh, about a week ago on Usable. so bring us up to speed, what has happened since then?
2: Right, so I think the main difference between last week and this week is that we know a lot more about the case and in particular about Erin's version of events, which we didn't know. You know, that, that tearful interview outside her house, that was pretty limited in the scope of what she actually said. As time sort of went on, we started to learn more about the lunch, about the family dynamics. We knew that Erin had separated from her husband, Simon, a number of years beforehand. They had been living in separate homes before officially sort of separating in 2021. We knew that their relationship was acrimonious. Other than that, probably the main breakthrough in the case was a leaked police statement that Erin made last Friday that gives us an insight into her version of events of what happened. Can you tell us a little bit about what was in that statement that was new? The main information in that statement that I think caught us all a bit of guard is that she admitted to cooking a beef wellington for lunch. She said that the mushrooms that had been put in that dish had been bought up to three months in advance from an Asian grocer near Mount Waverley, which is a suburb in Melbourne's east. She had gone to came in a package that was hand labelled, and then had bought some store mushrooms from a local supermarket in Leangatha, which is where she is based out in Gippsland. And then she had combined those to make the beef wellington that she had served her guests. Now, another very interesting fact that came out of that statement is the fact that, contrary to what police had initially said in their first press conference, she claims her children were not actually present at the lunch. However, Erin says that she fed the leftovers to her children the following day, but scraping off the mushrooms of the beef wellington. Now, she started to feel ill as well, she says, and she went to the hospital. She was eventually transferred to melbourne as well and she was given medication to protect her liver from potential liver damage which is also information that we did not have beforehand we knew she had presented at the local hospital but the information the hospital had provided was that she had been pretty much immediately discharged so this kind of is in conflict with both some of the initial information the police had provided and also the information that we got from the hospital in Liangata.
1: can we talk a little bit about them the mushrooms themselves matter because if we understand Erin Patterson's point of view, she's bought these mushrooms kind of from legitimate sources. So what does that mean for the rest of the public that might have done the same thing? And
2: so at this point in time, I want to stress that this is obviously a sworn statement that she's given the police, and it's not by any means a statement of agreed facts. So I, I can't vouch for how legitimate that information is. But certainly, if she's gone to an Asian grocery store or any kind of grocery store for that matter in Melbourne and she's bought those mushrooms and it just so happens that this batch of mushrooms is contaminated with death caps, there could be a real possibility that other people have purchased mushrooms that come from the same source that are also contaminated. As far as we can tell, we haven't heard of any similar cases happening recently that might sort of link back to a a bad batch of mushrooms.
0: So do do we have any idea of a a timeline here in terms of this investigation or is it sort of how long is a piece of string at this point in time?
2: Look, I think the latter. And in my conversations and, you know, other journalist conversations with the police, um, it seems like this is going to be a very slow burn Mm. kind of investigation. Obviously, it's a very complicated case. If the police were to ever lay charges, you would, you know, you'd need to prove intent, which is really complicated. In a case like this, you need to prove that Erin knew that what she was doing, for example, that it wasn't a terrible accident. Um, also, in addition to that, I think we're still waiting on toxicology reports, mm-hmm. which can take anywhere from like two to six weeks or even longer. And so I think we won't see anything happen until at least we know the toxic, like the, the outcome of the toxicology report and it could be weeks away.
1: Excellent. Master, thank you so much for joining us. really appreciate it. No worries. and coming up next what happens if you take a piece of birthday cake a beer and put them in a magic bullet well the answer unsurprisingly is birthday cake beer but is it any good stay tuned to find out and if you're enjoying what you're hearing chuck us a like and follow us on your favorite podcast platform it'll help other people find us
0: jess i uh i learned something interesting today
1: oh good for you Emile. what was that
0: it was that there is a word for people who are super into beer who are like beer um connoisseurs is it were
1: is there the Germans? <laughs>
0: it's not Germans. It's uh, It's Cicerones. The Cicerones of New Zealand, Segway alert, are all in one place this weekend, and that is uh, Wellington for Beervana, the annual festival of beer. As always, there's a lot of flamboyance and creativity on show, so we've got the festival's beer manager, which is a real job, Ryan Macarthur on the line to chat. Hello there.
4: G'day, mate. How's it
0: going? Very well, thank you.
4: I'll um, to you a little bit on the Cicerone thing. Go on. So Cicerone is the beer equivalent of a wine sommelier right okay no, you have to go through a course yeah just like being becoming a som it's it's lots of uh, i'm not one but you know maybe one day well
0: my apologies to the cicerones of the world for that mischaracterization
4: i, I don't want um, to let that one pass and suddenly you go off and start telling people lies but
0: no fair enough fair enough <laughs> Your credibility rests as does mine. Um, hey, Ryan, tell us, any especially interesting trends that you are seeing in the world of, of brewing at the moment, crystallised
4: at Beavana? The kind of big hazy IPAs are all there. There's a real big push around things called terpenes. It's how you really enhance the aromatic quality of those beers, of the hops that are used in there. We see a lot of pastry stouts at the moment, so this is a term that just basically means... Beers that are the the beer liquid equivalent of like it says pastries, birthday cakes, that kind of thing. Like this year, we've got uh, altitude have a crock and bush beer,
1: crock and bush and birthday cake. Are we, are we taking those with beer in a magic bullet, and then that's how we get the flavour? <laughs>
4: Pretty much, yeah. I think that I tell you what, that is probably exactly where that recipe development starts. <laughs> take a base beer, take those ingredients, whiz them up, and see what happens, and then go well, you know, we can't do that for two, 3,000 litres, so uh, let's figure out how we can take those ingredients and combine them in a way that makes you and reminds you of the of the thing that's, you know, inspired it.
1: Do you rate those, Ryan, though? Have you actually tasted birthday beer cake?
4: I have, yeah, yeah, yeah. I did. And they're not a beer that's like a piece of cake. You're not eating it every day. or well, maybe some people are eating them every day. <laughs> You're not eating the whole cake in a sitting. Um, you know, though, often those, bo- those beers will have a slightly elevated... Um, alcohol percentage and they are often designed to be shared like a bottle of wine
0: righto ryan it sounds like it's going to be a really fun time so tell us about uh, the festival when's it running and how can people get along
4: so the festival is running today and then the same on saturday uh with the day session night session yeah come on down and also there's great food
1: come for the beer stay for the oysters that's yeah. the beer festival from yeah. uh, ryan thank you so much for taking the time to have a chat to us and uh, all the best for the weekend
4: yeah no worries my pleasure I think you're conflating a whole bunch of issues.
1: You don't want to be held to account what, no, on I, what, rising child abuse no, numbers. You can manipulate
0: crime statistics. No, I, I promised I wouldn't have a tag to you about gotcha journalism. Hang
1: into the national party's <laughs> no, attack line no, there. I what, think what, the... it would be a resignation offence if I didn't deliver tax
0: reduction. It, it, yeah, I'm not worried about it at all. That's, Nothing that's in there on. that sits with you perfectly fine. That's what,
1: we're,
2: that's
0: what we're focused on.
3: Whatever happens in politics, the weird, the wonderful, the important, the thought provoking, we got you. Listen to Tova wherever you get your podcasts.
0: So, how are you feeling?
1: Honestly, like my heart is racing. I can't believe I left it until today to come up with my first Fun Fact Friday. I should have. I should have been banking this for weeks and months. And since I knew I was coming on,
0: it's an unusual task, isn't it? Because. I guess it's kind of like with jokes, right? Like, you know when a joke's funny, and you've heard so many funny jokes right. in your life, and it's the same with facts. There, there are so many interesting facts that float around, but yeah. when you're asked to come up with one on the spot and broadcast it to the world, all of a sudden, holy shit.
1: And it's such a tough time to come in because it's a tie between you guys at the mm. moment, and Imo's just going to be listening to this on her holiday, sipping a cocktail, and be like, do not stuff, <laughs> stuff this up for me, McCarthy. <laughs> and I don't what to do that
0: for She's But yeah, look, geez, we both know that you're a big game player, so... Um, do you want to go first or shall I go first? You get the choice.
1: Leo, let me rip the band-aid off. Okay, so my fun fact for the day is the name Fiji was a mispronunciation. The story goes that Captain Cook asked the Tongans what the name of the islands to their west was, and he heard Fiji when the Tongans actually said V I T I, so it became Vg from the mishearing of a tongue pronunciation. There you go. Colonisation, stuffing things is up that right? again. That's so...
0: That's, that's right. really interesting.
1: So it should be Vitti, Viti,
0: uh, uh, I love that. I think there's, there's actually a similar story behind the name Imogen.
1: Uh, yeah, I remember. That was one of your fun facts from uh, yeah, long ago. Yeah, yeah,
0: I lost that one. But um, I think your one is actually uh, significantly better. So that's good. That's, that, that's grand. My fun fact today is that there is a man... A human man who has eaten a plane. In one sitting? Um, (laughs) Four (laughs) of a time? Uh, Not in one setting, no, no. Um, This guy, his name is um, Michel Lotito, or his name was, rather, Michel Lotito. He was a a French entertainer, and his main shtick was uh, (laughs) deliberately eating indigestible objects. According to the doctors who studied him, uh, Lotito had an unusually thick stomach lining and unusually powerful digestive juices, which helped him in this most unusual pursuit. He uh, apparently had no digestive problems stemming from his diet, and over the course of his career, he ate such adventurous things as uh, bicycles, shopping carts, televisions, beds, and as I mentioned, a Cessna aeroplane. Not in one sitting. It took him two years to consume the plane. He started in 1978 and he finished in
1: 1980.
0: <laughs> yeah, he died of natural causes in 2007. Yeah, He
1: died of a repeller in his gut What he died, <laughs> oh, let's be honest. Uh, but
0: before he died, he was awarded the Guinness World Record for Most Unusual Diet. Can you guess what he did with the Guinness World Record? Oh no. Yeah.
1: Oh no. Yeah. Great fun fact.
0: Thank you. Um,
1: I'm not going to be able to get that out of my head all
0: day. Yeah, it's going to haunt my nightmares as well for the next few days at least. But those are our fun facts today. Uh, Head to our Instagram page to vote on your favourite and we will have a result for you on Monday. Feel free to
1: give me a pity vote. I'm not precious about it. Imo's away. She needs the points. Don't downplay your fact.
0: It's a good fact, (laughs) Cheers. It's a good fact. I love it. I'm going to remember that one. But I think that is newsable for today. I'm Emile Donovan.
1: And just before we go, in case you were wondering what a toddler makes of the World Cup and who they think might win based on their favourite colour, have a listen to this. Izzy, who do you think is going to win the World Cup on Sunday? Do you think the red team or the white team is going to win? White team. The white team. Is that because Spain said mean things about Palmerston North? Uh, yeah, exactly. Go the white team. Hi. Newsable. News that's worth
3: talking about. If you liked it and reckon it's also worth supporting, please make a contribution at stuff.co.nz.